If you are just getting started with the NGSS and 3D teaching, I want to invite you to check out Bring Wonder Back, an on-demand video series designed to help you understand why moving through the textbook and teaching topics is actually crushing your students' curiosity and what you can do instead. It's going to help you shift the work of learning where it belongs by building your understanding of explorations and discovery-based teaching practices. And finally, I'm going to help you take the first steps toward transforming your students into scientists through 3D learning, which is really what the NGS is all about. You can access this video series at iExploreScience/wonder and get ready to bring wonder engagement and a love for learning back to your science class. All right, to the show. Welcome to the Teaching Science in 3D podcast. My name is Nicole Van Tassel. And I'm Erin Sadler. And we are two science teachers dedicated to helping you cut through the confusion and meet the intent of the NGSS so you can master all three dimensions. The NGSS can seem totally overwhelming, but implementing these standards doesn't need to be. Hey there, this is Nicole Van Tassel with your Thursday Thought today. So I heard a story recently, a professor was telling a story, um, about a teacher who was complaining about how her middle school students, these are quotes, like no longer seem to show any of the curiosity and motivation for learning that they had once had or that they had when they were younger. So, you know, this curiosity decline has been documented in other studies. So I for sure think her comments truly reflected her experience. And you know, I believe that a part of this is the result of years and years of learning that's inherently like not student owned, you know, meaning that we aren't using student owned or student driven learning in K through five. So by the time they get through six, you know, through 12th grade, they're basically accustomed to sitting back and letting us as the educators drive the, you know, learning bus. So I do think that plays a role in this, you know, where's the missing curiosity case. But either way, like, what can we do? Is their curiosity actually gone? Is it lost forever? So the professor who was telling the story went on to share her reply to to this teacher. She asked the teacher, are they curious and motivated to find out who likes who? And the teacher answered, like, very unsurprisingly, oh, of course, they spend all their time talking about that. It's a really big problem. So here's the question, like, were they really not curious at all? Or were they just curious, not curious about that teacher's content? They were curious about the things that they found relevant, which was not whatever they were studying in that class. And the thing is, our, it can be a challenge to engage our students. I know it is. There's a lot that we can do with phenomena, with pre- presenting things as as basically puzzles or these confounding situations, these unknowns. There's so much research that has shown our engagement as humans increases whenever there's like a mystery or a puzzle. That's literally curiosity, our our drive to solve that puzzle. That said, there's also, you know, adolescence is so much about that social experience, that social learning. And it totally makes sense. You know, this, that's normal child development. By adolescence, our our students are ready to leave their family circle, you know, preschool and even early elementary school is so focused on the family circle. They're 
um, young children are dependent on the family for survival. So obviously, evolution has pretty much worked us out so that we focus on our family. And yet, as they are getting ready to enter the world as adults, as they are reaching adolescence, they start to focus more on their peers because it is their peers who are going to dominate their adult lives. It's their peers that they are going to work with, um, marry, have friendships with, like all of that, right? So it's natural that they shift their focus to their peers. And it's natural that they're they're curious and, and they want to focus almost their learning on interacting with those peers. But now we know that we still have our job to do. We want them to become scientifically literate or good readers or, you know, able to do basic math or whatever. So how do we blend the two? You know, it's not that our students aren't curious, but they're just not curious about our content. So what can we do about that? Like I said, you know, there's a lot of things you can do with with the social, with bringing in that exploration, um, I'm sorry, the phenomenon and bringing in that exploration and the confounding situations and, and kind of the puzzles. And maybe I'll talk more about that in, on another um, episode here and some of the studies that I've read that really highlight the importance of those things. But one of the things that I want to focus on right now is focusing on the social aspect and really looking at how we can bring our students, you know, need and desire to understand the social aspects of our world and also find their place within that society. So, you know, looking at how content can reflect this intersection of our students as individuals and them as members of society. It could be by by focusing and bringing in environmental issues or social justice issues. It could be solving real world problems and participating in, in community endeavors or community work, service learning, basically doing things that matter beyond the classroom. Because for adolescents, what matters to them in that moment, are it's their peers. So it's their relationships with their peers. And it's also, you know, standing, um, getting their peers respect and getting their peers um, and others respect and admiration and all of that. And bringing us out into the, bringing them out into the community, creating those stakeholders, um, showing how they can have a place in the world using those aspects can be really engaging for them. On the other hand, we can also embrace social learning in our classroom. We can recognize that our students actually like oftentimes learn better from each other than they do from us as educators. Like at this age, they are tuned into each other and they are more likely to learn and retain and understand things when they are learning together from each other. There are, again, a number of studies of this phenomenon. Um, I recently read one about uh, children in India who were, a, a computer was placed out and they didn't had never had a computer in these in this village and there was no instruction given. They were literally just monkeying around figuring stuff out. But as the researchers watched what happened, they saw that there's a social aspect to this learning. As one person figured something out, it quickly spread through their peer group, through their friends, and it, it basically sped up the process of learning. So it was like one person figured something out and that multiplied the learning for everybody else in that peer group. And then it, you know, it spread out from there and just multiplied out from there. So we can recognize how our students are capable of learning from each other. In fact, they're basically primed, they're hardwired to learn from each other. We as humans are. They're hardwired to learn from their peers. 
So if we can embrace that in our classroom instead of, you know, viewing it as a problem, instead of viewing it as a struggle, then we can actually speed up learning. We can increase retention. We can increase engagement, all of that. And we, can, we may find that our students are become more curious as their curiosity really feeds off of each other and feeds off of each other's ideas, and they become more engaged in our content um, through that kind of social aspect of learning. Anyway, I hope this episode gave you something to think about, and I want to thank you for being a podcast listener. If you have questions, reach out on Instagram, reach out on Facebook. Um, if you are enjoying this podcast, please leave us a review. We love hearing from you. I'm Super excited to connect with you guys soon in the next round of the Be Curious Community Cohorts. If you have interest or questions about that program, um, it's an eight-week program that's really designed to transform your classroom and help you embrace a student-owned and student-driven science learning experience and do that in a with a group of educators who are likewise committed to this vision and allow you to um, really just give you the opportunity to collaborate and connect and support each other through that process. If you have any questions, reach out. Otherwise, have a wonderful Thursday. Thanks so much for tuning in. Making sure that your lessons are three-dimensional isn't always easy. While you don't need to include all three dimensions every single day, you do want to make sure that each dimension is regularly addressed. I developed a really simple 3D planner to help keep me focused. It helps me track which pieces I'm using in my daily lesson plans. It only takes me five minutes to fill out, and it helps me notice patterns in my own lesson planning. For example, when I first started using it, I noticed I wasn't including the cross-cutting concepts as often as I thought I was. Just by recognizing this, I was able to focus on this one piece and improve my lessons. Right now, you can grab the same template that I use for my own planning for free. Go to sadlerscience.com slash 3D planner to grab yours. That's sadlerscience.com slash 3D planner.